Hey there, welcome back to She Speaks Life. I'm so excited you are here listening to this episode. I have to tell you, you guys, the feedback of how much you are enjoying my published journal, Serenity, Calm Your Soul and Strengthen Your Spirit is such a huge blessing to me. And for those of you who are wondering what is she even talking about, the Serenity Journal is a personalized scripture journal where you write your name within the scripture verse. And it just brings this close personal directive to take heed of the truth in your life. It also includes five topics to choose from with two weeks of scripture for uh, whatever season you're going through, uh, if you need more contentment, more confidence, how to get out of loneliness, how to have more hope and peace in your life. And in addition to this is the journal prompts and an activation prayer to release your faith for what you're hoping God will do in and through your life. It makes an incredible gift for any occasion, but also Christmas is around the corner and I'm doing a 15% off plus free shipping. So grab one for yourself, your friend, family members. Go to jamieelizabeth.com and make sure you use VIP15 for your code. And I just know this is gonna bless your quiet time with him. So let me know how much you love it. Okay, today I have with me author and teacher, Shadia Parici. We're gonna talk all about Rahab out of the book of Joshua in the Bible. And we know her as a prostitute that was faithful in hiding the spies. But there's so much more to her story to unveil that Shadia shares with us today. It's so good and she is doing an exclusive giveaway just for you listening to this podcast. The link is in the show notes and you will receive a free signed copy of her study. How cool is that? Okay, now let's dive into my conversation with Shadia Harishi. Hi, Shadia. Welcome to She Speaks Life. I absolutely love what we'll be talking about today on the story of Rahab. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. And this is a, such a fun topic. And I just appreciate the invitation. You wrote a Bible study on Rahab. It's I called did. Rahab Rediscovering the God Who Saves Me. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself a Bible study junkie. And I have never <laughs> seen a Bible study on Rahab. And when this came in through my emails, I was super excited to have this interview with you and really just to grab on to the fresh insights that God gave you on the story of Rahab. So I can't wait for you to share this. And before we dive into that, I would love for you to share your favorite scripture verse and why. Oh, wow. Well, um, so my favorite scripture is actually the very first scripture I ever memorized. I got saved at the age of 30, so I didn't have a Bible background. Um, okay. So like John 16, 3, 16 didn't mean anything to me at that point. But the first sure. verse that I uh, memorized was Psalm 126, 6. Uh, and it says that he who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. And it's still mm. my favorite verse because... Um, Sometimes sharing the gospel means going out weeping, um, yeah. but God plants those seeds. And so it's just a, a passion of mine and I love his word. 
Yeah, I know the obedience is hard, but the mm. payoff is way worth it. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can testify to that. So let's dive into Rahab. What inspired you to write about the story? Oh, wow. Well, so Rahab, um, is, so she's the second woman in the, the lineage of Christ. And the, the study that I had finished most recently uh, that came out last year was on Tamar, Judah's daughter-in-law. She's the first woman in the lineage of Christ. And I was like, oh, well, we just, we, you know, Rahab's next. Like, why not just dive right into her story? Um, and I happen to just kind of love the fact that, um, you know, both of these women, they're, they're kind of, they're, well, Rahab's clearly tainted by, by the, uh, you know, the, the um, idea, you know, prostitution, because she was a prostitute. But the Tamar story also has that, kind of that taint as well. And I'm just attracted mm -hmm. to the messy stories in the Bible. I just <laughs> yeah. love the messy stories in the Bible. Um, I think I can, you know, with a lot of my own mistakes and my own past, I can relate to their stories. Um, we don't talk about them that much. And I'm like, well, why not? Let's talk. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. gritty. It's messy, but let's talk about it, you know? Yeah, so. I love it. Because, I mean, we do talk about the fluffy characters in the Bible. The ones that we speak about, that we highly praise, we don't share their sin afterwards or mm. yeah. know, before. There's always – and I think that's great because it shows – that, you know, these characters in the Bible, they were devoted and committed mm. to the Lord and mm. they still had some temptation of sinning and they still chose the wrong path even after uh, obeying God yeah. and doing what they were supposed to do. So I love that you're writing and studying about these characters who have those messy lives mm -hmm. first and uh to see what they do afterwards okay so you label rahab as an unsung hero in the bible explain that to us <laughs> so um rahab so okay so the 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 series of Bible studies uh, that, that I'm writing that Rahab belongs to is um, called Behind the Scene, Exploring the Bible's Unsung Hero, uh, Unsung Heroes. And so, you know, Rahab, you know, kind of like what you were just saying, a lot of us are familiar, you know, with the stories of, you know, Abraham or Moses or Esther, kind of these high profile, high leaderships uh, people. Um, but when you start studying these other characters, you know, like Rahab or like in the past, I've, you know, written on Hagar, Tamar, Judah's done a lot, all these kind of messy stories. And you see how God steps into their stories and you realize, wait a minute, there's something going on here too. There's, there's something, you know, um, um, redemptive in each one of their stories and how they interacted and responded to God. Um, and so it kind of just elevates them on in the same way, the same plane, because, and, and I, I even hate to use the word elevate because quite honestly, we all need, God's the only one worth elevating, you know, but we tend to put these other characters on a pedestal and mm -hmm. these other stories of like people like Rahab uh, remind us that, wait a minute, um, you know, God can still use us even if we've made terrible mistakes. God can still use us despite, uh, you know, the past, um, you know, our, besides our past. Um, if you look at the story of Rahab, what there's this contrast that's really fascinating um, that takes place when the Israelites 
Um, so here, so here's a quick context context of her story. Rahab's living in the wicked city of Jericho that's marked for destruction by God, and Jericho is basically the first city that the Israelites will um, uh, capture in their effort to take the promised land that God had promised them. And in between Jericho and the Israelites uh, is is the Jordan River. So they're camped on the other side of the Jordan River, and while they're camped there. Uh, the people actually begin, literally the word in scripture is to whore with the people of Moab and begin sacrificing to Moab's false gods. So here they are on the edge of the promised land and they're like turning away from God. Meanwhile, in the city, this wicked city of all these, you know, pagans, Canaanites and doing all the wrong things, mm-hmm. there's this woman who's a prostitute who's actually turning to God. And it's an incredible contrast. And the fact that it takes place right when the Israelites are camped at the edge of the promised land reveals just at, at the very beginning of the story, we haven't even talked about any details yet, how significant her story is that God would put all of that on hold to tell us about Rahab. Yeah. Very significant. It, yeah, it, it's beautiful. And it's beautiful to see how God will use anyone, right, for his plan and what he wants to do. Absolutely. That he would use a prostitute to teach prostitute yeah. to teach us lessons about faith is just that's just what one of the, some of the things I love about how God works, you know. <laughs> oh, totally. Okay. So I know like if I'm studying a certain topic or a character in the Bible for a message, I usually find something that I haven't seen before. What were the some of those surprises that you found in the story of Rahab? Oh, wow. Well, so one of them I just touched on how, you know, you know, the fact that the Israelites on the edge of the promised land. I mean, if you think about this, the Israelites at this point, you know, the the exodus has taken place, the 400 years that, you know, they had to, you know, uh, in slavery, all of these events have taken place. So for generations, God's people have been dreaming uh, about entering the promised land. And as soon as we get to the edge, again, this, this story of Rahab comes up almost like, it almost seems to like appear like an interruption because quite honestly, it could have just said the spies went in, um, found out, you know, there was a, a prostitute who, um, you know, uh, told them that the town, the, the whole city was in fear of God, you know, and that would be the end of it. But, mm-hmm. but God makes sure that, that she's saved. God makes sure that the, the two spies find her house. God is in this from every step of the way. And so what looks to be like an interruption of the conquest for the promised land is actually a story of God's intervention. Mm-hmm. He, is, yeah. he, is, he is taking active steps to ensure that this woman uh, and her family, all those who would, who would uh, embrace her faith, would be mm-hmm. saved. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's really incredible. The other thing that God showed me as I was studying her story um, were these striking uh, parallels between the events surrounding Rahab's story in the book of Joshua and then the events depicted in the book of Revelation, which, um, you know, that most might remember that in the book of Revelation, we have this the most vile prostitute of all, the kind of the depiction of the evil at its at its extreme. And so you have this this contrast going on and very, very clear parallels between these two books uh, that are that are that just make studying God's words so fascinating. Mm. 
That's so cool. I love that. And take us to the ending of Rahab. How does it end? Like she's she's saved. She saves the hides the spies and and then then what? So the two spies are sent from Joshua into Jericho and they find themselves in Rahab's house, which is, which is absolutely God's doing. She mm-hmm. protects the spies. And what's so curious is the, the king of Jericho, uh, obviously was watching her or watching the house or some, you know, he knew that these spies had come. And so mm-hmm. he sends messengers to come and basically demand that Rahab tell them where these spies are. And uh, meanwhile, they're literally hiding up on her roof. And so she is basically, she has to choose, you know, who, which side am I on? I mean, I, the, the whole, the way that she's so, um, she doesn't waver in how she right. responds, which I'll explain and, you know, I'll give the response, response in a moment, tells us that her decision, her, her commitment to follow God had already been, been working in her heart. Uh, yeah. It didn't just happen at this moment. Right. Um, and so she basically lies to the king's messengers, which is in effect lying to the king, um, which is retreason. You know, I mean, this mm-hmm. is she's she's going against her own people and she's basically putting her life on the line mm-hmm. um, because if they decided to barge in and look for these guys and find them, I mean, she'd be dead. Right. Um, and so this is this is incredible. And so she protects the spies. And then what's um, really cool is that when she sends the spies away, um, you know, out through her window, she tells uh, the messengers uh, to, you know, uh, to go ahead and go and chase after them um, because they, they just left. And if you don't hurry up, you, you know, you're going to find them. Um, mm-hmm. And so she lies to them and says, you know, but, but she's very clever about it. She doesn't give them an opportunity to kind of, second guess her words or start to doubt, you know, cause she's like, Hey, you know, if you hurry up, you can catch them. And she kind of strokes their ego a little bit. I mean, this woman was smart. She kind of had right. street smarts, right? Yeah. Um, she knew how to deal with men. Um, and, uh, and it really shows, um, in, mm-hmm. in her, her conversation. And so the guys, the, the spy, excuse me, the, um, the King's messengers take off to look for these mm-hmm. spies that are actually still up on her roof. I wanted to just go back to uh, that faith part, how she already was Ah, prepared with what she was believing already. She's Mm. believing in in God rather than not believing. It is. It is. Yeah. Yes. And that's such a key point of this story. So after the king's messengers leave, um, you know, she sends them on a wild goose chase she goes up to the roof where the spies are hidden and basically uh, makes this profound, you know, confession of faith um, that actually mirrors the words of Moses himself. That actually occurs only a few times in the Bible. And so the fact that the words come out of the, the mouth of a Canaanite prostitute is another hint at the theological significance of her whole story. But she basically comes to the men and says to them, you know, I know that your God uh, has given you the land. He is the God in the heavens and, and of the earth. Um, the whole city is melting in fear. So she makes these profound statements about God giving them the land. Now, remember, the context here is the Israelites, you know, for the, the, the majority of them, like, you know, it's not everyone, but obviously it wouldn't have been Joshua. It's, uh, these two spies were faithful, but there was a big group of the camp that were turning to Moab's gods. 
And here is this prostitute saying, I know God has given you the lamp, you know, and he is the God in heaven and he is the God uh, of heaven and earth. And so it's very significant um, that she would use these specifically, the specific statements uh, that are mirrors of what Moses had told people um, just just prior to him, um, you know, passing and then the leadership passes on to Joshua. Wow, that's beautiful. That's a fresh revelation. I've never... Uh, paralleled that with what Moses said. And Mm -hmm. uh, I just love that, that she had just the knowing that she knew that these people were from the Lord. And uh, I know people say that your studies are very scholarly. Uh, I love scholarly. So (laughs) yay, you're my kind of people. (laughs) I like feeling like I'm taking a Bible study from a Bible college. I just, I, I like that professor type of feel. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, do you have the same type of style in the study of Rahab? I do. Um, so all of my studies are, are structured in, in a similar fashion. Um, what I do is I enjoy, so, uh, you know, when I was in seminary, I loved learning about how God's word is all interconnected. Um, mm-hmm. I loved realizing, um, you know, how, how the structure of the text can reveal even more insights about what the text uh, is, is saying. Um, you know, doing some, looking at the original languages and gaining even deeper insight that you just can't, you know, you can't yeah. always see in the translations, you know. And so mm-hmm. just all of those things make God's word so fascinating and so I want to write my studies in a way where the reader can exp- can gain the, I don't just tell them the things. I want the reader to enjoy the journey that I mm-hmm. had. So I serve as a guide and I guide the reader, mm-hmm. like, look at this, you know, do some of these um, structure uh, exercises. And um, it, it's not mm-hmm. hard work, but if, um, you know, it's engaging, it's engaging. Thank you. And that's what I, I want my readers to enjoy the discovery uh, journey themselves rather than just being spoon fed. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, I also share a lot of my personal stories in there. So, um, you know, I'm so listeners, you know, don't get the idea that it's like an academic study, uh, for only teachers and scholars. Absolutely not. Um, you know, you can read other people's reviews and, and, and so forth to to see that Mm -hmm. that's not the case. But, um, for those readers who do long for a deeper, understanding of God's word, a deeper, um, reminders of who God is, um, then you will, you would enjoy these stories, these studies. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I also want to be sensitive to the fact that let's say you're doing the study in a group and there might be some people in the group who they simply don't have, um, as much time, you know, Mm -hmm. to do the homework as someone else. So every single one of my studies actually has four levels to choose from. So oh, you all great. can buy the same book and you mm-hmm. can choose your own journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and awesome. there's video teaching videos available. So sometimes I recommend like if it's a six week study, I recommend take 12 weeks, you know, mm-hmm. and then give everyone the opportunity. And we, here's what I hear again and again and again from readers. Um, I've had many come say to me, you know what? I started out with, with journey level one and I couldn't help myself. I wanted it all. <laughs> yes. So isn't that God's hungry. word? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, and I love diving into Hebrew and Greek words and it just paints a huge picture and it just makes it more, you know, vivid and things that you wouldn't know otherwise if you didn't look into the meaning of those words. And then it sends you off to 
another area. I mean, you can go down so many you know, rabbit holes. And I just love how the Bible is alive and active. Like you just cannot get bored with it. I mean, there is just layers and layers and layers with it. Yeah. So great. So powerful. It is. Yeah. God's word is amazing. And I mean, and and to do these studies, all you need is, is the book in your Bible. You don't, and 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 the Holy spirit is ultimately the one that's going to be guiding you through it. That's right. Um, I've done the hard work for you, but I do write it in a way for you to really enjoy the journey yeah. of discovery. Mm, I love it. Okay. I think whenever somebody's either writing a nonfiction book or a Bible study like yourself, they have some kind of impact in their personal faith walk while they're doing the research and the writing. What impact or did you have an impact in your faith walk? as you were doing Rahab? You know, it's interesting. Um, One of the primary themes in the Bible study is faith. And so as I was writing the Bible study, I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised that God was going to gently challenge uh, my personal faith. um, Yeah, let me test your faith. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, I mean, I've never, every one of my studies God is teaching me something personally. You know, I write mm-hmm. from personal experience. I'm, it's not just academic. I, you know, right. God works through some uh, wounds and scars of my past uh, and, and, and weaves those into the studies. Um, and so for this particular study, um, God did. Uh, he actually, well, apparently one wasn't enough. He gave me two um, <laughs> big tests of faith. Um, one of them happened when I was about, uh, about two thirds of the way finished with writing the study. Each study takes me about a year and a half to write. Um, so I was about two thirds of the way done. And um, I suddenly, um, the owners of the rental home that I had been living in for 11 years, like overnight wanted to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had very little notice and I, ha- and I was, um, I had been there 11 years and, you know, they never raised the rent. And in order to do ministry, you have those balances of finances and so forth. And, sure. uh, you know, and it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to afford it? You know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just kind of working through all this and God really pushed it. You know, he waited until I had 12 days left and I still didn't know where mm-hmm. I was moving to. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's not like I would have been homeless. I had a hundred people in the church. You know, it's not that, right. it's not that, but you know, you're running, yeah. you're running a small business, um, you know, out of your, out of your home. And so you, you can't just go and do that in somebody's bedroom, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but God waited till there was just 12 days. And at that point, I was really hanging on to the last thread of my faith. I mean, seriously, I mm-hmm. was crying out to God. I was on my knees, you know, week after week. And, and then I'm like, okay, like, Lord, we're, we don't even have two weeks left. I, and at this point, you have to start packing. You don't know where you're going and you're, mm-hmm. you know, giving away your stuff and trying to sell your stuff because you don't know where you're going to go. And Right. And then God just opened up the door to the most lovely, lovely little cottage that I'm renting right now. Mm. Um, And the owner is a a believer. God answered um, very specific prayers that Mm. my friends had said, you're just asking too much. You're just asking, because I live in a very high, high, high um, housing cost area, Northern California. It's like, I think it's like number one or number two in the country. It's how, I think it's number two after like New York City. Uh, It's just insane. Um, And so for renters, it's a, it's a huge, huge challenge. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but, and so my friends were like, you're asking too much. Just, just wanting a second bedroom for an office is too much around here. You know, and they were right, but God made it happen, you know? And and for some who might be listening, like, wow, that's like, that doesn't sound like you should be so stressed about it, you know? Um, but you know, when your, your home is a, is a big deal, um, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and needing a place where I can live that's quiet is mm-hmm. huge as a writer, mm-hmm. huge. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm in the middle of a big, huge city. So that's, that's hard too, but God provided all of that. And then the second um, one was even more difficult. Uh, this other t- test of faith happened just a few, just what was it? Five months later. Um, now at this point, I'm literally just weeks away from my book deadline, which is, which is a big deal. You're under a lot of pressure. You're under contract. Sure. Um, you know, it's not that my publisher who are ob- obviously also Christians, wouldn't have some grace, but there are some things in the schedule that can't get, can't be moved. You know what I mean? There's, there's always right. a little wiggle room, but not a whole lot. So here I am weeks away and I get a phone call from my brother in New York. I live in California and my mom was in the hospital. And by the next day, like less than 24 hours later, she's on life support. Wow. And so I'm like, what, you know? And so mm-hmm. within hours, I'm jumping on an airplane. I'm, I'm praying. I have every, all my prayer group and my, you know, church and everybody uh, praying that I would get there in time to say goodbye mm-hmm. and also to share the gospel one last time. Because I think I shared earlier, um, I got saved when I was 30, not with, with no church back. No one in my family knows the Lord. Right. Um, and so, of course, I'd been witnessing to them all these years but never really mm-hmm. knew where my mom stood. Yeah. And in those last hours, um, I came and I just, you know, she was sedated, but I just shared with her, you know, she had already heard the gospel. I was just praying, run to Jesus and telling her, run to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she passed away the next morning, uh, like 12 hours mm-hmm. later. And then I found a journal two days later where she had wrote uh, mm-hmm. a prayer thanking God that I had told her about Jesus and wow. followed that with a prayer of salvation. Oh my gosh. And it I'm was trying not to cry. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, oh my goodness. Praise such God. A, such a gift for God to give me this, you know, yeah. um, she, she wow. had thanked God that I told her about Jesus, which is already just like, oh God, thank you. Because, you know, it's, it's like that prayer again. He who goes out weeping carried seed to sow. Yeah. And, and I will, and I would just add in my own, from my own heart, like, you know, not knowing if anyone's going to listen, not knowing if anyone cares, you know, wow. and I had for 25 years been telling my family about the Lord and God and his mercy and grace allowed me to find that journal, which was kind of buried, you know, in a, you know, a right. bookshelf in another room. Um, and wow. it reminded me of Rahab's mm. story. Mm. Rahab convinced her family to take refuge in God. Mm-hmm. And God in his mercy allowed me to see that my witness and my prayers for my family were making a difference. Wow. Um, yeah. Beautiful. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank wow. you. It was what a beautiful a story. Journey. <laughs> I know I got to dry out right now. Um, <laughs> oh. oh, it just shows like what we do matters, even yeah. when we cannot see it. Yeah. Like God is working and those Amen. seeds are, are being sown. and um, what a gift for you to be able to find that out through mm. her, her writing. That's God's mercy. That she's mercy. in the arms of Jesus. Yes. So, so great. It is amazing. Yeah. That's so wow. great. Wow. Okay. Mm. So 
I would love for you to share a takeaway that's that's something listeners can mm. ponder on or take action in, uh, some encouragement that they can hold on to after they're done here. Oh, wow. Well, you know, one of the things that I just kind of see more and more among, uh, you know, in the churches and among believers is that, uh, especially in our culture, it's very fast paced, instant results oriented. You know, many of us are living kind of frenzied lifestyle, doing a lot of things. And we've, you know, many Christians have come to lean on like a Bible verse mm -hmm. or, or even just, you know, a, you know, a word, you know, as spiritual nourishment. But the Bible, um, you know, except maybe Proverbs, Bible was not written to be understood in verses. Um, and this is why I think so many Christians are feeling empty, longing for deeper intimacy with God, engagement with his word, but they don't know where to begin. And so, you know, I think like, you know, Rahab's story is a great place to step back into God's story and just rediscover how all of the Bible is interconnected. Mm -hmm. Her story foreshadows events she never uh, could have imagined. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it's just, you know, Rahab's story um, uh, and, and the parallels between kind of the first battle for the promised land, the final battle at Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, all these contrasts and so forth, teach us so much about what God is doing. Um, you know, the entire Bible is a picture of God's passionate pursuit of his bride, his adulterous bride. That's how his people are described throughout the Old Testament. That's who we are apart from Christ. And all of the Bible is a reminder and a bigger, big picture of God's passionate pursuit. From Genesis all the way to uh, Revelation, God is orchestrating his plan of salvation to bring his beloved bride home. Yeah. And... You know, Rahab's story reminds us that no matter who we are, what we've done, God is willing and ready to embrace us if we would just turn to him and be saved. Her story yeah. is truly our story. Mm, I love it. Well, thank you, Shadia, for coming on oh. here. And I would love for you to share where people can connect with you. And we have a special giveaway link that will be posted on the bottom of these show notes for just podcast listeners. So will you share that with us? I will. So uh, the, the giveaway, giveaway link, um, I'm going to let you put that in the podcast because it's um, a specific link. But just generally for anyone listening at any time of the podcast, you can go to RahabBibleStudy.com, all one word, uh, and find out more about the study and, you know, get some a whole bunch of freebies and so forth. Um, and so I would love to connect with you there. And then the giveaway is um, uh, available for those listening to this podcast um, within the next, um, you know, there's a, uh, you know, while this podcast is being published and for about 30 days or so thereafter, um, you can sign up to get, um, win a free copy of the study. We'll be giving away uh, seven copies, one a week for seven weeks. So I hope you get on there and uh, sign up. But if not, get on to RahabBibleStudy.com and we'll send you all kinds of cool stuff anyway. <laughs> So awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to doing this study. I know from time to time I'll start one up, I'll host one in my home or at my church. So I love it. Uh, there's nothing else out there like it. So this is thank so you. unique and interesting. And so thank you for coming oh. on here and sharing <laughs> your wisdom and encouragement with us. Oh, it was my joy. Thank you for having me on here. It was a great conversation. 
Thank you so much for listening today, and I trust that God has encouraged you through this story. Did you know this podcast is on YouTube? Hop on there and subscribe, and you can see a live recording of each episode. And for more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com. That's J-A-Y-M-E elizabeth.com. And let's connect beyond this podcast by going to my Instagram handle, Jamie Elizabeth, She Speaks Life, or Facebook. Until next time, my friend, I hope God reveals himself through your own life story.